church. Wow, you're actually here. My goodness. Take a look around. Take in the scene. We're actually uh, able to be here in church in person. And all together, say a big hello to those who are watching online. Yeah, they did, if you didn't hear it. Isn't it great that no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, that we can worship together and we can learn and we can grow together as part of one big community. Um, So this is awesome that we have both these platforms. For those who don't know me, my name is Katie, and usually you'll find me dancing with the HDK kids, but this year I've also joined the speaker team. So after Father's Day last week, where Winnie and Renee, if you're in the house, fantastic message for them last week. This week we're picking up with our fourth week of our series, Toxic. So Steve kicked us off with offence, and then we had Sandy with shame, Steve again with gossip, and so tonight I'm talking on approval. Is that okay? I thought you wouldn't approve, but, you know, let's kick on. Now, being a good researcher, I went to dictionary.com, and I looked up the word approval, and it says, the act of approving. (laughs) Great. So helpful. So, I clicked on the highlighted word approving, and it said, to speak of, think of, or judge favourably, consider agreeable or good. So, I thought... What does this word mean in the context of Christianity and of our series, Toxic? And God whispered, share your story. But before I do, let's talk about toxicity. It can often start completely unknown, and it builds from there. Who's ever noticed a strange smell when you've opened up the fridge door and ignored it, thinking someone else will get to it, and it's festered for a few days or weeks, and then you realise you really need to do something about this. So teenagers in the room, you yell out, Mum. I yell out, Ben, my husband, but somebody has to investigate. And so they timidly move closer and explore the depths of the fridge until they discover well, we don't really know what it is because by now it is growing a plethora of foreign bodies on it. The point is, it started small, seemingly harmless even. There were glimpses of the growing problem, but we ignored it and ignored it until it festered and became stronger and stronger until it was too much and it was permeating the entire Even though at first hidden or unknown, the toxicity becomes apparent. And often with hindsight, with examination, and with storytelling, the truth is exposed and revealed. So my story. I've got a few pictures to set the scene. Take a look. When I was a young child, my mum would take me on women's only family holidays. The women and girls of our extended family would get together for a few days at Camp Clayton or Rutherglen um, or Bridport and we would play games and tennis and go swimming. But the highlight, the highlight for me was the 
the talent show where everybody did an act. No wonder I love Hope Camp so much. My cousin Kirby, who was born blind, she would sing with the sweetest voice. My mum would bring an epic poem like no one else could. And my aunties would give this amazing, funny act. And me and my young cousins, we'd do a dance. Bette Midler, The Rose, was my favourite. And whilst my memory does escape me on this one, there is evidence that we did the Spice Girls. I know, I know it's hard to believe, but I was Ginger Spice. <laughs> During these family holidays, I had the opportunity to get to know my extended family like they were my immediate family. There were so many deep and connecting conversations that only a women's family holiday could entail. So what does this have to do with toxicity? This sounds quite the opposite, quite lovely, in fact. Well other than the Spice Girls tribute. During these holidays, when we were meant to be in bed, us young cousins, we would sneak out to overhear the conversations that were saved for just the adults. I heard pieces of stories, and well, my mind, it filled in all the gaps that I didn't hear or I didn't remember. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? My mum always wanted a boy and a girl, the perfect pigeon pair. My eldest brother, Troy, was born in 1977, a boy, obviously. My sister, Becky, was born in 1980. Didn't expect this to happen so soon. A girl, mum had her wish, her desire. It was done, she was fulfilled. But a short five months later, Becky died. Sids. No reason, no understanding. One day, she didn't wake up. My mum and dad were heartbroken. Losing a daughter so soon after the family was complete would have been utterly devastating. After Becky died, Mum had another boy, Kurt. He was born in 1982. His baby photo, as it comes up, is identical to Becky, as if they were twins born two years apart, except the colour blanket and the birthmark. What a connection for Kurt to have to his sister. And then, in 1984, along I came. A girl again, but different. See, all my siblings have brown tones in their hair and olive tones in their skin, especially Becky and Kurt. I obviously do not. I am quite the odd one out in my family. You can tell that Kurt has Maori ancestry, but I got not a smidgen of that one. Not only in looks, but in personality and mannerisms and character, I'm quite different to my brothers. There were many a times that my brothers highlighted my differences and said that I was adopted. So I wondered. I started questioning, do I fit in? Do I belong? Am I thought of favorably? Who 
do I need to be? What do I need to do? All these questions started small but began growing. And together, they added up. It all came down to the word approval. At school, at school I kept trying to fulfill this quest of approval. My self-doubt and my questions, though, they grew louder and louder. But the boys paid me attention, and attention means approval, doesn't it? So I thought, so I filled my life with attention, with boys, parties, alcohol, attention. My friendship circles changed dramatically during this time. I was searching and seeking for approval, but all too often finding pain and shame and a whole heap of gossip. Nothing fulfilled the emptiness and the loneliness, so I sought more attention and more attention and more love and more approval. More often than not, I faced complete disapproval and rejection and got involved in fighting and was the subject of horrible gossip, which unfortunately had too much truth in it. My toxic thinking and toxic behaviour had become entrenched. I knew that what I was doing was not right. I knew that my attitude, my behaviour, my beliefs were spiralling out of control. Shame and guilt and fear were heightened, but I didn't know a way out. I was stuck in this toxic mess, feeling unloved and unwanted. You see, over time, I had embedded the belief that I wasn't what mum had wanted. She got her boy and her girl, and Becky was taken away from her. Remember, I heard mum's heartache on the family holidays when she was talking late at night with the aunties. The things that she shared that I didn't know that were too painful to share with me. I only existed because Becky didn't. I was second choice. I was the odd one out. I didn't fit. Mum and Dad's little girl was deeply missed and their heartbreak would never heal. I couldn't fill the hole that Becky had left in their hearts. As much as I tried, I would never fill the shoes that Becky was meant to fill. My life was fear. I feared that no one would ever speak of, think of, or judge me favourably. No one would ever approve of me, especially not after the toxicity that my life had become. Let me take a break from my story for a moment and draw on another story found in the Bible in John chapter 4. This is the encounter of Jesus with a Samaritan woman. If you have your Bibles or the YouVersion app, feel free to open it up and follow along. But let me set the scene. Jesus was traveling through Samaria on the way to Galilee. For Jews in Israel, which Jesus was, Samaria is a place to be avoided. 
Samaritans were part Jew and part Gentile and deeply despised by both. They were known for idol worship, foreign customs, strange gods, and abundant temptation. At about noon, Jesus stopped at a well and sent his disciples on to find provisions. A Samaritan woman approached the well to draw some water. Now, the Bible makes a significant point of the time of day. You see, it would have been custom for women and and for people to draw water in the cool of the morning, but she was there in the midday heat. It was as if maybe she was trying to avoid engaging with others. As the story of the Samaritan woman progresses, we learn that she has had five marriages and that she is currently living in unrepentant sin by living with her boyfriend. Now, in her culture, in this time in history, this type of lifestyle was not approved by anyone. I wonder, was she tired of hearing the judgmental whispers and gossip aimed at her life choices? Was the thought of facing more disapproval, more painful than the unbearable heat? Was she so full of shame? I relate to this story, and you might too. I was tired of the pain, the pain of disapproval and of shame, tired from trying to fit in. I didn't even know who the real me was anymore. I was clutching at straws and clinging to any morsel of approval that I could find, no matter how toxic. But alone, in my room, I would cry myself to sleep and wonder if I ran away, would anyone come looking? Eventually, these thoughts turned to, if I didn't exist anymore, would anyone care? Let's go back to the well, though. Unexpectedly, Jesus spoke to the woman. He asked her for a drink of water from her cup. The woman was surprised, saying, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Now, remember, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, and whilst the Old Testament afforded great dignity and worth to womanhood, Jews at that time had adopted many of the attitudes of paganism, and many a Jewish man started the day with a prayer, saying, thanks to God that I'm neither a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. So in this context, a man would never approach a woman like this in public, not even his wife or sister. And furthermore, using the same cup would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean, according to Jewish custom. But man-made social rules never controlled Jesus. This woman had a heart's need, and Jesus knew that he could meet it. Regardless of imminent social disapproval, Jesus met the woman where she was at. Jesus, in his divine intentionality, sought to meet this specific woman at this specific time. Now, passing through Samaria was not the only route between Judea, where Jesus was, and Galilee, where he was going. In fact, the most common route would have been to the east, avoiding the hostilities between the Samaritans and the Jews. And whilst the path through Samaria is shorter, 
it's believed that Jews would have never made this choice. And what's more, Jesus spent an additional two days ministering to the Samaritans. So there was no indication that he was in a hurry. Jesus went through Samaria because there was someone he had to see there. Jesus knew the woman's history, her immorality, but still accepted her and ministered to her. He was not tolerant of her sin. He exposed it. She was completely seen, completely known, and completely loved in spite of her failures and her mistakes. In the Old Testament, one of the names used to describe God is El Roy, which means the God who sees me. Now listen to Psalm 139. This psalm has shattered the lies that I believed about myself as a young person. It begins with, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. And later in verse 13 it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God began to show me through his word that I was meant to be. In his eyes, I always existed. He always saw me. Add to this Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Are you facing toxic thoughts such as, I don't fit in, I'm not pretty enough, smart enough, funny enough? Or has the toxicity grown like mine did to influence the choices that you're making to find approval? or to fit in, or to stand out, to survive, or simply to numb the pain. I want you to know that you are not an accident or a mistake. Your life is not worthless. You are fearfully and wonderfully and intentionally made for God's Family, God sees you, even in your hurt and your toxicity, just like he saw the Samaritan woman and just like he saw me. Let me highlight two very important points in case you missed it. Firstly, God knew every moment before a single day had passed, our good decisions, our bad decisions, our faithfulness and our sins, seeing us completely. Secondly, he sacrificed his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we would be his family, so that we would know him. And it brings him joy. We bring him joy. You 
bring him joy. I bring him joy. We're created in God's image, and he is relational. So we too are relational to the core. Now, the advent of social media and the need for relationship, validation, and approval from others has never been so visually apparent. We all crave approval. All too often, we're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and comparing our unfiltered lives to people's filtered feeds. Unfortunately, many people make the mistake of calculating their value and their worth as a human being on their online reputation, how many friends, followers, likes, and comments can we accrue? I never found, and you won't ever find, the approval you seek from people. I came to realize that the issue was that I was looking for approval in all the wrong places, and that began a spiral of toxic thinking and toxic behavior. You see, approval and seeking approval is not, is not what is toxic. The root of my own toxicity was whose approval I was seeking. Here's what you need to know. No amount of worldly success, people's approval, or social media, popu social media popularity can come close to the indescribable gift of knowing God and being known by Him. What's more, when we accept this gift, our relationships with others have ample space to flourish because we're no longer needing others' approval. So instead of living for the approval of people, you can start living from the approval of God. Only God can speak your deepest need for approval. And guess what? There's absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. As the band comes up and gets ready, I want you to hear this from Titus 3, 4 to 7. But when God, our Saviour, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. When I asked Jesus into my life and I began a relationship with my Heavenly Father, I began to realise, to know that I am loved, accepted and approved of by him, period. I was written into his story before Becky was even born. He knew me before I was even thought of by my earthly parents. He breathed his life into me. He loved me, and when I abandoned him, he loved me and fought for me when I was ready to abandon life. He sacrificed his son and raised me up even though my life was toxic and I didn't deserve it. He tore down all the lies I believed. He lit up my darkness. He strengthened me when I felt 
completely lost. He sat with me in my deepest pain and loved me through it all. And he wants to do that for you too. The band's going to play a song. Listen to the words of this song and then I'll finish off. When, when I embraced God's overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love for me, when I asked God to carry me and guide me, I began to see myself through his eyes. I began to know God's approval through Jesus Christ. I started to believe and celebrate how different and special God made me. This is something you need to hear. And I've recently found out that when my mum was younger, she, in fact, did not actually dream of having a boy and a girl. That perfect pigeon pair was never a part of her dreams and desire. That was a lie that I had pieced together in my mind. Yes, hearing fragments of stories on the holidays, but together in the tainted view of my own insecurities as a preteen, together with the power of Satan's lies and manipulation, without Jesus in my life to give me the truth, this whole toxic recipe began to shape the sense of who I was and my sense of approval. In these recent conversations, my mum told me that she believes it was truly God's hand in giving her a red-haired, pale-skinned girl as opposed to the dark-haired, dark-skinned babies that she had and had lost. It was never about comparison. I was never a replacement girl. I am her blessing and her favour. She lives with both her heartache for Becky and her love and her joy for me and for each of her children. The next time you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough, that no one will like the real you, remind yourself that they are toxic lies and manipulations straight from the enemy. And the only way to be a lie is to expose it with the truth. And the truth, the truth is that God desperately wants you to know that you have a place in his family. God sees you completely. God's approval is enough. God's word says that you are chosen, you are called, and you are his masterpiece. You are recklessly loved by God. Let me pray. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that we are completely known by you and your desire, your plan from the beginning of time was for us to know you intimately. Thank you that no matter what our lives have looked like so far, 
that we belong in your family. Thank you for your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. Thank you that your all-encompassing approval is there. You speak of, think of, and judge us favorably. Just bear with me for a little bit longer. While all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, I encourage you, examine yourselves. Examine your hearts, your lives. How big has the build-up of toxicity been in your life? You may be here tonight and you have never known the reckless love of God. You've been chasing the approval of others and rejected God's gift of his son, Jesus. Tonight, are you ready to turn your eyes to Jesus? Are you ready to receive the unearned, undeserved, reckless love of God in your life tonight? If that is you, while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, don't you raise your hand and let me know. I see your hand. Romans 10, 9 to 10 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. If you're ready to accept the gift of Jesus Christ tonight, while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, raise your hand. Maybe you're here tonight and you have known Jesus, but lately you've turned towards the approval of others and walked away from your faith. The toxicity in your life is building up and it's separating you from God, from others, and even from your own life. You've felt worthless, you've put up walls, you've believed lies, you've hidden yourself in the shadows. It's time for a clean out. It's time to recommit your life to God. It's time to kick down those walls, tear down those lies and light up those shadows. If that is you tonight, while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, raise your hand so I can pray specifically with you tonight. the hands. Thank you. If you're watching this at home, I invite you to raise your hand and indicate to God where you're at tonight. So if you're ready to accept the gift of Jesus Christ, if you're ready to re-establish the connection and your relationship with God tonight, if you put your hand up, then say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and my sins have separated me from you. I have been living for the approval of people and not living from your approval. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. 
I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. As the band plays again another song, I want you to soak in God's approval. And if you raised your hand tonight, even if you didn't, and you would like prayer or to hear about some next steps like the next Alpha course or to receive a free Bible, I want you to make your way down to the front where myself and the team, socially distanced, will be here to pray for you and celebrate with you. And if you're watching online, there is a button, a prayer button that you can press where somebody would connect with you to pray and celebrate with you. Thanks, team.